This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey, this is Brian Donovan, and you're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Leave Hurricane! It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words with no faith is empty. I stayed the course, though my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. Hope everybody's having a great and fun and healthy week. Uh, we got a lot of things to talk about. Of course, some good and some unfortunately bad news, especially according to reports of last night. So we're going to talk about all of that. But in our talk topic, I am going to give my thoughts on the latest DC film, Blue Beetle. Now, Question is, is this related more connected to DC films or DC studios? Believe it or not, there is a contrast between the two in terms of who's running it. DC films is the Snyderverse. DC studios is the vision and mindset of James Gunn. And we're going to see that new universe come to fruition soon. So I almost think this is leaning towards DC studios, but uh, nonetheless, we're going to talk about that and give my thoughts. Did it hit home? Um, we're going to talk about that because I was really looking forward to it. It looked like this is going to be a very fun film and maybe one of my favorite or most enjoyable films. And the question is, did it meet that standard? So we'll talk about all that and more. Without further ado, folks, let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of of ACMG. All right, we're going to start off with some unfortunately sad news in the world of Hollywood. Uh, just confirmed last night from multiple reports, including TMZ, which is where I first learned it from, and then followed by the I, the IG account, the Instagram account of Mike Coulter, who is the star of Luke Cage. Uh, and it's unfortunate. This is us and Luke Cage star Ron Cephas Jones has died at the age of 66. Best known for his role as William Hill in the emotionally popular hit series, This Is Us. Uh, and his role as Bobby Fish, which is where I first discovered him from on the groundbreaking Netflix series, Luke Cage. Um, according to his rep, the actor's cause of death was due to some long-standing lung issues. Jones did say in, a, uh, in an interview with the New York Times that he was diagnosed with a chronic pulmonary disease, which he received a double lung transplant in 2020. Jones was awarded two Emmy Awards for Outstanding Guest, uh, guest Actor in a drama series for This Is Us, as well as his appearance on other shows, other hit shows, I should say, is Law and Order, Organized Crime, uh, Better Things, Looking for Alaska, and many, many more. 
he will definitely be missed he was a great uh, talented dude he has one of those appearance and auras around him that you know he brings sage of wisdom <laughs> when, whenever he talks uh whatever role he has and i remember a scene a pivotal scene in uh luke cage right after pops was killed by one of cotton mouse dudes he was in him and luke were in the i think this was the episode where dapper don made an appearance but he was in the um he was in a barbershop because now he's the owner of pop's barbershop and his duty he one of his first duties was like to strategize he was like and and, and if you guys remember luke cage he was just the dude that was hanging around the barbershop with pops and playing chess all the time he was one of those dudes but then all of a sudden in the will he ended up he had a deeper bond with pops than anybody knew um anybody who was watching knew he ended up being the owner of pops's barbershop and his first thing was trying to strategize how to seat do how the seating arrangement for a lot of the uh women that will be there because pop dated a lot of chicks and he didn't want to have any of them sitting next to each other and so he used chess to try to strategize this whole thing it was really cool but in, in the hindsight of that he also was lecturing luke in the same way that pops would lecture him so you know i remember that scene vividly and it was awesome they, if you go on tmz's website and look at the article for uh for uh as they talk about his death they also show a clip from this is us and again i did watch this clip and it's for some it may be haunting in a sense because you know he's talking about in the in the clip he's talking about when people die and how you should really treat death in a sense. Um, and it's, I, I love that scene because one, I understand exactly why I opted out to watch this show because it's one of those, without even knowing the entire, you know, narrative of the episode, I know something deep happened that will get people like really emotional. So if I, you know, I'm seeing that, that clip, I don't make nothing of it but if somebody has watched that clip and recognized that clip from an episode it's probably going to make them cry again but what he said was really awesome how it was written it was awesome too um and he said it in a sense of you know just how you should treat death and how you should appreciate the people that you you're alive and he said it in a sense of like if you're that sad for a person it only means how much that person meant to you in life and it just reminds me of how, you know, when I was 20, when my mom passed away and how I, you know, treated the situation, how I coped with the understanding of her passing and how I treated the situation in a sense. And it just reminded me of that. And I highly recommend going to check out that clip in there. It's really awesome. He will definitely be missed. Um, rest in power to him and uh, thoughts, hearts and prayers to all his friends, family and fans out there uh he was a dope dude he was absolutely dope and deserved every bit of accolade that he received from there so all right let's talk about a little bit more happy news here disney announces that asuka which is premiering this week was going to premiere on on wednesday and no there's no there's not going to be a delay they announced on social media that the series will premiere a day early now premiering on august 22nd the same day that a quite a few video games are going to premiere in that day too um russell quest in uh immortals of avion will be premiering that day as well so get ready for that but the two episode series premiere will premiere a day early is that's pretty awesome that's that's really really awesome this series starring rosario dawson as the role of asuka and they will be it takes place after the events of i believe jedi and, and the mandalorian and all this stuff and it's also going to reconnect all of the story and narrative from the clone wars so we're going to see a lot there um it's this is going to be awesome this is going to be pretty awesome i'm looking forward to this this was the one series that i was looking forward to the most the minute i saw rosario dawson play that role on the series and then you know shortly after like my most anticipated star wars series is the mandalorian i so far obi-wan has not disappointed me i people have complained about it but again people are gonna displace their anger on everything i thought obi-wan was dope i thought the mandalorian there is nothing better than the mandalorian right now but i think if anything that could possibly possibly beat that 
this show has a possibility of you know taking over that throne of uh best um star wars series out there i'm, I'm looking so forward to this because one she this is a perfect role for rosario dawson so very much looking forward to that by the way on another note i this is just a, such an off note i still hate the fact that she was dead on clerks three i i'm still not ready to watch clerks three that that series i i, I again if you guys remember when i reviewed this and shout out to brian uh, Halloran for you know of course he he's a, he's a total professional he's never going to tell anybody <laughs> that he passed away but when i interviewed him i'm like i never thought i would it, we were talking about how awesome i felt his character was and in his mind because he's already filmed i'm like oh he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna really be hurt i'm i'm pretty sure he's probably like oh he's gonna he's ready for a heartbreak when he sees this movie man i i really hated that they killed off his character did all lead it off the way it did but it's gonna take me a while for me to watch clerks three again it, i trust me i reviewed that movie i love that movie but because i love those characters so much especially dante's character it's hard for me to watch i gotta be ready for it i know a guy i know um on social media and i you know a guy i know mikey he's um philly's uh cameraman and he, we talked about that briefly because his father passed away recently leading you know leading up to that movie and it was i, I can understand it was hard for him to watch so it, it, you know if it was hard for me to watch definitely it was hard for him to watch in that sense um you know but with that said they all did great job rosario dawson is just flat out awesome in so many ways so i'm looking forward to this movie uh this series coming out and two episodes are probably going to be an hour each i'm ready i am so ready for this i'm going to be reviewing that next week on next week's episode and giving my thoughts on that as well and following up from there so we'll see all right moving on from that last week i believe last week it was uh last week's episode i talked about my thoughts on the documentary uh that you can check out on max called uh superpower the dc story in that documentary there was a comic that was mentioned uh about a comic called or, or a radio show called superman smashes the clan and when i saw that i was absolutely amazed that this happened you know it was you know it was 19 i think this came out in the 1940s it was a radio show from the 1940s and what happened was the uh it, you know writer gene lun uh yang decided to make a comic book version based upon that radio show and it became a three-part series that is now you can buy it on um you can buy this on i got it from kindle i got it from um from comics comicsology unlimited so you could buy it there aka kindle whatever like that and then you could buy the physical copy as well it published on uh in 2019 a lot of people didn't know about this a lot of like i was blown away when i saw that they this comic book existed but also that there was a radio show it was based on in the 1940s because you know back then there wasn't tv there was radio for those who don't know there was only radio back then and you know tv didn't get invented until like a decade or a year later years later of that and so all your action adventure comedy or whatever like that was done on radio so superman used to be a radio show along with dick tracy and a whole bunch of like uh the shadow um all those were radio shows flash gordon all that it was radio shows back then and i didn't know that they did something like this back then called superman smashes the clan that's it, it's really deep for its time um, cause we talk about like how Stanley and Jack Kirby would be groundbreaking in, in, in terms of their writing and publishing of, you know, comics that were based around civil rights, you know, story and narratives. And we've not known DC for doing stuff like this often. And they've been known for doing more controversial things. If you watch the, you know, the documentary, they point out a lot of the things that a lot of the things that dc did in their early runnings that they started changing around drastically 
you know and, and it, when you look at it dc has made a major overhaul in their branding and the way that they write and publish comics now but back then this is kind of groundbreaking I, I can't believe that this was ever done so um you know gene uh Lon yang decided to write a modern version of it and a comic book version of it with um illustration from janice uh chang who she this is i love the artwork i love the artwork of this thing um it kind of looks like if you guys are watching my adventures with superman it kind of looks like that and but i also like the fact that they kind of made the character design of superman based around the old tv the old 50s tv show with the black s symbol in there and and a lot of the a lot of the storytelling is based around both the radio show and the old 50s television show so they kind of combined those assimilated those two together and made that happen i thought that was pretty awesome but the story of this is that the story from um this according to google books is the year is 1946 teenager roberta and tommy lee just moved uh their parents from chinatown to the city to the center of metropolis home of a famous hero superman tommy makes friends quickly while roberta pines from for home she's a little bit introverted in this story um then one night the family awakens as they find their house surrounded by the clan of fiery cross aka, AKA the kkk um superman leaps into action but his exposure to mysterious green rock has left him weak can roberta and tommy help him uh smash the clan so i'm reading this book and this book is fantastic because it does touch on racism it touched on a lot of different things they it's it's crazy because when you think of the the kkk or ku klux klan you often think of black people because black people have been the center of their attention for years but in, in in reality the kkk are against everybody who is not white they're white nationalists they are in my opinion terrorists to that extent and they have been known to you know try to bully and bully and murder a lot of people throughout years that doesn't represent them and in this book they have this story where you know tommy and um his sister are you know well the whole family the, the father got a job uh as a scientist in this uh for this company and not everybody is happy about it there's a scientist in there that kind of gives him he, he's kind of condescending to him he gives him a little bit of grief tommy's encounter is when he joins you know jimmy olsen runs a baseball team or he's managing a baseball team and he invites them to come along to you know meet everybody else unfortunately it's this one kid who's a pitcher um who is not truly happy with him and he started you know giving him racial slurs and habitats or whatnot and i'm reading this book and i'm feel like i feel like how i feel when i watch the spike lee movie you know in the 90s you start to get fueled up because you're hearing these these and, it, and it's exactly what this book is intended to do um, which means they're doing the right thing. The writing is great in here. And, and I, I just like also like they hit on those points, but also like the ideology that they were able to grasp in this book as well of that era and time. And it, it really hit home for a lot of people, you know, who, who can relate to this. So Tommy's trying to, you know, they, they're asking Tommy, uh, Tommy to try out. They find out this dude got a great arm and all of a sudden the kid you know the, the racist little kid decides to um want to challenge him and he ends up you know beating him and even though they warned him not to do that he gets hurt he goes off he you know he tries to fight tommy jimmy fires him from the team he goes home he talks to his uncle his uncle first tells him like you need to you know you need to straighten this out you need to you know you need to actually you know be a man and own up to this but then he tells him who the kid is in his last name the minute his last name the minute he tells him his last name then we know what type of person his uncle is and then we learn how where his uncle philosophy and morale and morale lies and we learn more about his uncle in a in a very devastating way which leads to a whole bunch of trouble for the lee family and meanwhile of all this you know clark is still trying to figure out 
you know who he is his powers everything um his heritage if you will but in this universe which is based on the 50s superman and and based on you know the radio show if you guys don't know superman didn't always fly superman started leaping when in in, in the first process of superman and then back in the 40s and the 50s and whatnot he didn't he didn't fly he just leaped over buildings he was able his power his powers was the ability to leap over buildings in a single bound that's why when you listen to the old you know it's a bird is a plane and all that stuff the introduction to the superman shows that's what they say he didn't start flying until way later on and in, in comic books where they started decided to like he should fly he's gonna fly now so he didn't always do that and in this book he doesn't fly what he does is that he in the early he does what they do in early comics he actually leaps you know uh, you know leaps uh, uh, over buildings but he also how he travels is that he speeds on he runs quickly on telephone lines to get where he needs to go so that was they, they really captured the the golden age of superman during this time so i really like that but I'm reading through this book, um, you know, chapter one and chapter two and seeing what they're doing. And, you know, Clark is trying to discover who he is, but Clark is when he discovers his mom and dad, his mom and dad is not like the Kryptonians that we are used to. They are actually like stereotypical versions of green aliens or whatnot, which I find hilarious because when he touches or gets act, you know, gets in touch with the kryptonite as what we believe in it, it is it's doing things to him that we've never seen being done to him before in modern comics so this is a really interesting book it's an awesome book i highly recommend people check it out um if you haven't already i had one person on the acmg facebook group say that they did read it they loved it um other others that said i had no idea and one in particular because i knew this person is i knew this person for years he's been reading comics for years and he's been into the superman you know life for years like he's He's a few years, you know, past my senior. So he's been reading comics way longer than I have. He's never even heard of this. I mean, that's how deep it is. So I'm sure he's going to pick it up. And I'm, I highly recommend other people pick it up too. Superman smashes the clan. It's you could get it on Amazon, Google books, uh, digital and physical as well. And uh, God, get this book. I mean, just from a artistic standpoint, a writer standpoint and just a, you know, it's it's unfortunately still relevant to this day but go out of your way check it out and you know the god if florida learns about this book <laughs> this might not be a book that florida is going to want to see they're probably going to want to ban that one too but go out of your way check it out it is awesome fantastic there so all right for those who wanted to see the flash but didn't want to pay to see the flash Here's your chance because the flash is coming to max next week. God, I swear to God, I wish they would go back to say HBO max. It just sounds so much better. Max just sounds so incomplete, but nonetheless, I digress. It's coming to max streaming network next week, August 25th. So you'll get a chance to see this movie. And I do say, go see this movie, go check out this movie when you can. Um, it'll be interesting to see how their streaming numbers for this particular movie comes in um because it's honestly again i saw this movie in early streaming an early uh streaming of this movie uh, not early streaming an early screening of this movie uh and i enjoyed it and so did everybody in the theater most of the people in the theater were cheering were you know laughing at the comedy at of this thing every single moment and at the the end surprise people were just blown away by it so it was to me it was more of a success a, a a pictorial success if you will than it was a failure box office it was a failure but as a movie i thought it was i thought it hit it i thought ezra miller did a great job i thought michael keaton was he was just the mvp it is michael keaton was to this movie what um god i'm blanking out on people's name here um who played the Joker? Uh, with Jim Carrey, I should say. You know, he was he was to this movie what Jim Carrey was to Batman. Um, 
forgot which Batman it was. The one where he played the Joker. With the Val Kilmer movie where he played the Joker. Because once he played it, nobody even really cared about Val Kilmer as Batman in this case. But um, he was... He, Jim Carrey was awesome there. And it, I, I will credit that Michael Keaton had the same impact of this movie that uh, Jim Carrey did as the Joker or any other Batman movie. So I, I do recommend people check it out. And here's the thing. Again, we talked about this before. Ezra Miller. If you notice, we haven't heard about Ezra Miller in quite some time, which means that's a great thing because we at one point heard Ezra Miller a lot and not in a very, very good way. The fact that he's been radio silent for this long means that there's some great progress going on. And if he's if that's what the case, keep up the great work, Ezra Miller because yes you did a lot of dumb stuff but it looks like you are working on yourself and that is great one thing that we constantly don't do is allow people to be forgiven and to forget and, and for you know allow people to for, uh forgive and allow yourself to forgive i should say you know people do dumb things but if they are willing to admit that they're wrong and willing to make it right look i'm all for that they I, look, I was one of those people and I lived in a era. I'm from a generation and lived in an era where, yeah, people got on you, but people weren't afraid to allow you to heal. People weren't afraid to allow you to be forgiven. People weren't afraid to forgive. Today, it's, it's the, the mindset and the ideology today is so different. We live in a state of fear. And because of that, it it, it just it's so unfortunate that you got a lot of you guys today, a lot of Gen Zs, a lot of millennials, you know, you're too afraid to socialize. You're too afraid to, you know, befriend. You're too afraid to forget. Like, I, dude, I've been hurt many times, many, many times, but I'm not afraid to forgive. If I really show, if I really see that a person's showing, you know, effort in their attempt to you know, redeem themselves and they're doing it. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Look, I'm still waiting for Kanye to get his act together. <laughs> I'm still praying for that day. I'm still waiting for so many people in my life to do that. You're like, I'm not afraid to let them in as long as I see that they're making an improvement. It's scary. Yes, it is. It's scary to, you know, forgive, but it's, it's a lot easier. I also understand it's a lot easier to just damn somebody and cancel somebody away because you don't have to deal with it anymore, but you're stronger. If you do, you're much stronger if you do. So give this dude a chance, like let him do what Shia LaBeouf did not. <laughs> okay. Hopefully he can redeem him. So I always compare him to Shia LaBeouf. I feel like th those two had very similar paths and very similar, uh, potentials. And I feel like Ezra Miller has the chance to get back on track. I think Shia LaBeouf that does too. I, I, they, they have similar paths in the sense that like, I don't know why they ended up going the road that they had. They just went on this mentally daunting road and they both had mental challenges. Shia LaBeouf, man, it, the pressure got to him so much, I guess. Who knows? I just thought that both of them are absolutely phenomenal talents. And their talents, like Shia LaBeouf could have been like the next Michael J. Fox, in my opinion. Um, as Ezra Miller possibly could have too. Ezra Miller either, like I can see if they did a remake, if they did a remake of Back to the Future, I can absolutely see either or those guys being the new Marty easily because they have that charisma. I can easily see them do any of those films that Michael J. Fox were, was doing before he got Parkinson's. I can see those guys doing those type of roles, those same roles and getting that same type of popularity. But, you know, you never know what people are going through in their life. So there's always a story behind why people do what they do. And you always got to look at that sometime and know that not everybody's completely evil. And that's, you know, this is why I kind of love what Marvel Comics does with their villains is because it's not always completely evil. There's always something behind it that leads them to it. And in a lot of cases, we always say that every villain is the hero in their story. In this case, because 
of situations like how certain villains become villains it, it you know a lot of ways you know this is just their decision of being heroic in this case not justifying it because in a path that they chose they sometimes hurt other people and that's not what you want to do so we'll see uh but at the moment radio silent on both of those guys so i hope that you know somewhere down the line we see them make both a great recovery because i thought both of them were great talents to that point and we'll see how that goes everybody's you know everybody's uh able to make a comeback you know even even without the court of public opinion you know we'll just have to see all right let's move on to some extremely awesome anime news here i want to get my thoughts on our first look at the scott pilgrim anime netflix revealed our first look at scott pilgrim takes off the character design of this series of this series is by uh animation group science Sur uh, saru or saru uh which looks exactly like the art style of brian leo molly who is the writer and executive producer of the series edgar wright returns uh as the executive producer as well as well the series will star the entire cast of the original movie which is fantastic and it is coming our way november 17th on netflix i mean i think this is going to be the most anticipated movie of my i mean series of my year because i am such a huge scott pilgrim fan i am i am so man i can't tell you how excited i am about this i love the graphic novel i love the movie and here's the thing here's a here's the cool thing what i love about scott pilgrim like scott pilgrim kind of gets the acmg accolade because it does embodies every bit of the four it, ooh, excuse me it does embody every bit of the four um the four letters of fandom it now has an anime it has a comic series a graphic novel if you will it has a movie and it has a video game it has all of it and i i i'm excited if you watch go watch go to uh, netflix geeks you can watch it there but it looks exactly like the the uh the graphic novel but there's also a hint of anime in it too it looks phenomenal <laughs> phenomenal if you will so it's uh it's coming man i can't wait i'm so looking forward to this i'm gonna hype it up like nobody's business so check it out there folks that will do it for what's new in the world of acmg we're gonna take a break come back and when i do we are going to talk Blue Beetle and give my thoughts on that. And we'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! This is Chris Battle, character designer of Team Titans Go, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Wait! Folks, we are back with our Talk Topic of the Week, and it is my review of Blue Beetle. I believe it is the final DC films, but it is also transitioning over to the DC Studios realm, which James Gunn will be uh, monitoring from that point. Uh, this is starring Zolo Mariduena, and from of course people know him from cobra kai fame and i couldn't think of a better actor to take this role and i think zolo deserves this role because of what he was able to do in his character on uh cobra kai that show had no business being as good as it has been and i am going to miss this show when it ends. well of course not because we could watch you know reruns of it of course we re-binge binge it from the jump but um 
Zolo's part in Cobra Kai has been so awesome. So it, it was, it, it, it's gotta be the reason why he got this role. Zolo, his, his, uh, his role as, uh, Jaime Reyes, uh, Reyes, if you will, I feel like it's every bit as symbiotic as him as uh, Reyes and Blue Beetle is because they're literally one of the same. He embodies Jaime in here a lot or people will say jamie or whatever like that but um man i love this movie i enjoy this movie did i come in with high expectations no i came in with good expectations i didn't ex i didn't expect this movie to be groundbreaking or game-changing in any sense i expected this film to be a solid fun action pack uh sci-fi you know fest in, in a comedy as well because of who was involved in it and i said i felt like by the end, it met all my expectations. I enjoyed it for what it was. It was just awesome. Zolo did a great job. He he just, you know, he flowed with it. He was, he, he I felt like he really um, enjoyed it too. I felt like he understood the importance of this movie too, because this is representing Latino community or in, in Mexican community, if you will. And, you know, there's a lot of representation and inclusions to them in this movie. And I thought, I can't speak for the culture in that sense, but I enjoyed it. And there was a parts of it that I, even I related to. I, I was immediately drawn into this movie. The minute they started making jokes about student loans, I, I was like, okay, you got my attention now. Cause I'm one of those, I'm one of those people who pay, still paying off of student loans and all that stuff. But with the one joke that they had when he started coming in, cause he came, he was traveling basically from home to meet his family, his family. I love his family. They are crazy. They're lovable and they're funny, but his family were out there to meet him at the airport. Cause he went to college and all that stuff. And, and he asked the guy, you know, how do you look? Cause he wanted to take a picture of him. The guy said, you look like six figure, a uh, six figure, uh, student debt. <laughs> and there was a lot of student loan jokes in here, which was kind of hinting on the, the, you can say financial crisis that we're going through right now in America with student loan situations, man. A lot of people are struggling with that. And not only that, we're not benefiting from a lot of the debt that we've been given. You know, the American dream was you graduate college, you will most likely get a great job in your field. There has been that many jobs and there's been a lot of student loan and now people are paying all these loans, but not getting the opportunities that they've been promised or afforded or supposed to be afforded and that's pretty much the, the problem with right now and that's why they you know people are fighting to try to stop this student debt because it's way too much and we haven't really benefited from it not all of us you know even me i like i got a computer science degree but i haven't done anything in it like le, like legit it ever and i utilize my education and work around that you know because i you know people weren't hiring me to do those jobs um, sometimes I would have a resume and they would see my face and you know, this was before 2020 and all this stuff too. So take note of that. But I love this because, uh, Jaime was basically going through the same thing. He, you know, people weren't hiring him. He went to school for law and stuff like that. So he was trying to find a job. His sister, who was just fantastic. She was kind of like, she kind of gave me Aquafina vibes here. And it was, uh, Belissa, um, Escobita, Beto, I believe her name is, and she played her, his sister. She was, I don't know where she, I've never seen her before. At least I don't believe I've seen her before in other things, but I want to see more of her. She is so charismatic and entertaining in here. And I thought she was just fantastic. Um, so he's work trying to work with her, but you know, lo and behold, basically, if you follow the comic, if you read the comic before, you know what happens here. Reyes comes across this scarab that chooses him and gives him the ability of the blue beetle which uh has uh, it, you know turns into the symbiotic suit that uh it's technically alive and he, they they can talk you know within it uh becky g plays uh kaje da who is the embodiment of the scarab that he encounters and you know it's funny i keep saying every time i watch becky g becky g is on a lot of commercials and I'm like, I've never heard one song of this person ever, but lo and behold, 
I've seen her work before. She, I didn't realize she was one of the Power Rangers from the recent Power Ranger movie um, with Elizabeth Banks on air. I actually did. I liked her. She was on Empire too. I've just turns out like I have seen her before. I just didn't recognize her because oh, I don't see her often. I nobody really like talks about her in the, like the mainstream aspect, but which may be a good thing because it's like she's keeping off the radar of TMZ and all that stuff in that sense. And it's like, she's, she keeps doing her thing. So it's like, she keeping her nose clean at this scene. Hopefully that remains. Maybe that's a good thing that I don't hear from her from that extent, but you know, she played the voice of uh Kajida who is talking to Jaime the entire time and, you know, trying to work with him as much as possible, not to kill anybody <laughs> as much as possible, whatnot. So, they have this relationship, but you know, Jaime's trying to find a job. He's working as a cleaning crew for the court of, you know, organization. And it's Victoria Cord played by Susan Sarandon, who I'm going to say, unfortunately, if I give any negatives to this movie, I would say performance wise, I felt like Susan Sarandon, who's like a vet in the game. I felt like she had the weakest performance to me in this movie. I mean, she had the task of being a villain and she did play a villain. I just felt like it just, it just felt like a very comic booky type villain. It didn't like, she just, it was textbook villain. And to me, I've seen a lot of different villains in the Marvel cinematic universe that portrayed themselves way more than the normal textbook style villain um you talk about cottonmouth you talk about uh alexander pierce you're talking um my god thanos you're talking with wilson fisk like villains like that gives you more it's like they don't they don't realize they're in a comic book movie this like they're in a drama series susan sarandon it just like it was like the paint by numbers style of villainly which it wasn't in hindsight it was just on a level but it's not it, it wasn't like a bad performance it just wasn't the best susan sarandon performance i've ever seen and it just felt like it was just stale at best but it was it it was able to get through what she got through i, I didn't feel anything for her villainy in this movie but it was what it was but everybody else in this movie i thought was dope i thought was absolutely dope in this movie um uh brana uh my cuisine if i'm playing it uh, correct played jenny cord who was the niece of uh victoria cord and she had some stake in the company as well but she wanted to you know she wanted the she wanted to work the company in the way that her father was doing it and the father we find out was spoiler alert people if you don't if you didn't watch it fast forward a little bit in this part but her father was actually the original blue beetle which i think i which i absolutely love because i don't this is the part of me that i don't know about the blue the, like the origin of blue beetle completely but i knew there were two different blue beetles and they were far contrast from each other there was a blue beetle back in the old in, a, in a, like the or the older or golden age of dc that didn't have the same powers as Jaime Reyes has with the Scarab. He was just a Blue Beetle dude. So somehow, some way, they managed to merge the two together. And, and I, if I'm, I don't know, I don't think that the two were merged together in this way in the comics. But maybe I need to find comics um, exp uh, explained and see how he uh, puts it together because he'll be able to answer all those questions there um with the dc lore i'm pretty sure this is probably a blue beetle documentary that he created out there but i like how they you know managed to connect the two together in that sense but i really like that they did that but she is trying to avoid the direction that uh victoria is going victoria is trying to use the scarab and she found the scarab and she's using it to try to um reverse engineer it to be able to replicate it and make a whole army of these guys so they can actually you know she could sell you know war she pretty much be a war seller if you will an arms dealer if you will 
but using people to uh as like cyborgs or whatever like that to you know overcome obstacles and situations around the world and she's not trying to hear that so she's trying to stop her she ended up stealing the scarab she gave the scarab to jaime and jaime and his family consisting of uh Malagro, Malagro, Rudy, Nana, Alberto, and um, and Rukia. They con they talk him into do opening up the. Which, by the way, I love this part because this is the first time I think I've ever seen this in all of the DC movies. Big Belly Burger was shown in this, and this sparked me because I'd never seen Big Belly Burger in any of the dc movies at all this is the first time i've ever seen a big belly burger if for those who don't know what big belly burger is is a burger shop that is synonymous i don't know if this is actually lore in the comics and i'm gonna look this up big belly burger see what happens uh it's chain in a dc okay apparently there's a chain in the dc comics universe but i first if I'm correct, the first time I've seen this was okay. First appearance of Big Belly Burger was Adventures of Superman for uh, 441 in June of 1988. Okay, so it has it is in the universe of the DC Comics universe. So that's great because the first time I've ever seen it done consistently was in the Arrowverse. And I never it was never acknowledged in the DC films universe or the Snyderverse, if you will and this is the first time so I, I i was i was excited to see this and i've always liked the idea of big belly burger it just sounds so good and the burgers that they eat in here looks really good like i need them to do a pop-up shop a big belly burger probably in new york during new york comic-con i'm in <laughs> okay so i thought that was awesome that they added that so he she put the uh she put the scarab in there told him because he got him and his sister got fired the other uh like prior to because he stepped in and tried to stop you know jen uh jenny or uh gina from uh or gina it is jenny it's pronounced jenny uh from getting hurt you know or getting assaulted and victoria ended up firing both of them but she promised him to stop by the next day you know give him another job in hindsight it is she ended up stealing the scarab they end up uh finding out they closed security and they, she ended up uh giving the scarab to Jaime and then all the all the uh family ended up you know convincing him to open it and that's when everything just would happen I will say this as much as I talked about Susan Sarandon's role in this I will give opposite praise to George Lopez because George Lopez is a funny dude he's all he's legend he's always been a funny dude but in terms of performances on TV shows, sometimes it's on and off. Like his original George Lopez show was okay funny, but his recent show, Lopez versus Lopez, which is with his daughter on air, who's also funny, I think that's a way better show than his original show. Um, but he, you know, on this movie, I've never found him more funnier than in this movie. I thought he as Ruby Reyes, Rudy Reyes. He is hilarious. I loved him in his movie from start to finish. Um, and his importance in here too. And his ridiculous mullet hairstyle and big ass beard and all this stuff. But they they played it up. I loved him. He stood out way better than even Sue Sarandas, in my opinion. So he was awesome here. But like the family's all in on it. Nana Reyes. Okay, we need to know more about this woman because all through the film we start to realize that she's more than what she says she's she is in here and she <laughs> winds up you know being able to handle her own in the field and going up like she has no fear and all the family is just like looking at her like okay there's some there's there's things you haven't told us and we don't need to have this talk when this is all over i was hoping that they would talk about like she felt like in like if she was in a marvel universe and she did this they would have like gave us hints on what she was involved with like kind of like when we watch hawkeye and we seen his wife you know we learned more about his wife more than any time ever than we had in prior times we've seen her we've learned that 
she that there were hints that showing that she was a part of shield and that she could have been the original mockingbird for shield so i wanted them to do that but we didn't really close that door probably because this is not the end of the blue beetle series i don't know but all in all like going in watching this and seeing all this i loved it there was a lot of things that i could relate to in this film there was a lot of funny moments there was a lot of great action-packed moments i thought the blue beetle character visual design was spot on um this could be their spider-man this this blue beetle can absolutely be their spider-man and can lead in other things i thought that they this is the start of something good you know i am under you know so up, you know keeping the writing strong if not stronger and keeping you know the character you know up up to beat and having them start you know teaming up with other people i think he will be probably one of the favorites of the dc studios universe at that point now while i enjoyed this film there were parts of it that i felt that was a little bit campy and not but not too much that it took away from the movie effect for me but campy in a sense of um yeah they you know they it was kind of just kind of stupid but one i thought was cute but campy was when he looked into the blue beetles lair they uh they found a bunch of old equipment that he was working with and his sister jaime's sister ended up finding the power glove so he tricked up this power glove and if you're watching this if you're a person my age and watching this you know what that is you absolutely know what that is and i don't know if they meant that as a tongue-in-cheek thing or what or was based on um like a wink wink thing for older fans who knew what that was because i used to own a power glove i still have reason to believe i still own a power glove somewhere around here or i need to find another power glove again as much as i need to find the batman medallion <laughs> but um the power glove was used and tricked out to you know had this holographic shield and this holographic punch that you can literally you know hit people from afar and it gives you powers and i'm like okay it's it's both cute and lame at the same time like if it's tongue-in-cheek i'm all for it if it was made because they were budgeting i don't know it could i think it was more tongue-in-cheek than it was budgeting thing but i thought it was cute and it was funny that they even used a power glove for that um but the other in, in the other part was just susan sarandon's you know role as victoria cord i it, it i just felt like it could have been better um than that it, it it just was it was just very paint by numbers villainy to me so other than that the whole film i thought was great i thought it was entertaining and you know they got something started up um uh, i love that this cast has been played i love the fact that they were talking about some real world stuff even though it was in a fictional universe of course because dc is you know full of fiction if you will even philadelphia on shazam is a fictional version of itself it's another universe version of itself so but i like that they were focusing on some things that we can relate to here not just people in, in that culture but just people in general the student loan situation the you know the social stratification if station if you will because they lived in a really rural poor part of town and i would be annoyed too because every time they go out of their home they just see this really upscale city that they're separated from and whenever every so often you know gentrification would come in and they would try to buy up more land from their parts and you know try to take advantage of them all the time and again it's stuff that people minorities can relate to so i thought they did a great job in my opinion there um i enjoyed it I enjoyed it they did it i felt like i enjoyed it just as much as i would any you know greg berlanti arrowverse series or whatnot just a little bit more upscale i thought blue beetle was done right in my case i'm you know again this is one of those cases like i do with venom where i love the venom series so much i've read the venom series you know venom series i've read the venom saga from spider-man so as a hardcore person i can't agree or to you well here's the thing now I'm starting to change the aspect of that because of what they did with the Arrowverse 
I mean, not with the Arrowverse, with the Spider-Verse and what they did with um, No Way Home. I may have a different opinion on Venom than I had before. I still would prefer, especially because, you know, Spider-Man 3 was a little bit, really, it's, in spite of the casting and the dancing part, like, they actually did a lot right. They did more right on Spider-Man 3 than they did wrong. And the Venom story in there was done way right. It's just Tupper Gracie, just to, so a lot of people, myself included, just, I, and I love Tupper Gracie. I love that 70s show. I'm a big fan of his. I just felt like he was just the wrong pick for that role. Like Tom Hardy was not even known back then. If Tom Hardy was been back then, he would have been perfect for Spider-Man 3. I think he would have changed people's opinion of Spider-Man 3 if Tom Hardy played the Eddie Brock of that Sam Raimi came up with from there. But I digress again. I, you know, I, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is basically is I have a different opinion of this more than a hardcore, somebody of a hardcore reader. I don't know what a hardcore fan thinks of this, but for me as a casual fan of Blue Beetle, I enjoyed it for what it was. So hopefully they'll do it again. And again, people need to understand, yes, this is based on the comics, but it's not solely based on the comics. There's always going to be a little bit loosely based and it's going to be based on a different universe. And that's the branding tactic that they use for this is universe, meaning that, yes, it's not it's based on that prime universe in the comics, but this is another Earth version of it. And we've already they've already, you know, solidified that a long time ago. So if you're still complaining that it's not like the original comic book, you're you're, you're just, you know, you're up a creek on that one. So, but overall, if I'm going to, uh, for me to give a grade for this, it's going to be a really good grade. I'm giving it a solid B. Um, if Susan Randon's role was a little bit more, if her, if her performance was a little bit better, I would have probably given it a, maybe a B plus, maybe even a, but it just, it, and it could be the writing as well. The writing may play a part in this, but she just didn't, the writing in the direction of her character to me, just, I didn't really get into her character i didn't you know she just felt like your typical or stereotypical villain character to me and it just the way she portrayed it, it just you know it just makes me wonder if she was in the, the mcu would she put on that same performance and if she ever does appear in the mcu as a villain we'll see well that'll prove whether it's a performance and writing issue with that but she's normally done a lot better roles than that. But that, it, I mean, overall, it, it was a very entertaining film. Go out and check this film out. Support this film. Support everybody involved, the writers, directors, if you will, um, the people behind it. Just it, you know, because again, these this is what they're fighting for. I thought they did a great job, and we need more representation like this. And Blue Beetle is a great character to have on a, in this uh, silver screen, if you will, folks. That will do it for this edition of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Again, next week, I will be reviewing Asuka, the first two episodes, and talk about whatever's going on in the world of our favorite fandoms there. This week on Select Start, I will be reviewing Immortals of Avium. I probably have said Axiom or whatever like that in previous episodes, but it is Immortals of Avium. If I, just in case I did mispronounced the last word of that um immortals avium is coming out this week it was delayed but it's finally coming uh it's already downloaded on my ps5 so it's ready to unlock at the stroke of 12 midnight and uh, looking forward to seeing this this is an ea project so ea has done good with me with uh the with the uh star wars series the star wars uh jedi survivor so i figured like let me jump on it again but I was a little hesitant to buy the entire pack of that because of it was delayed. So I'm a little skept, um, but it looks awesome. It's starring a lot of awesome characters and, and, and people uh, in here. A lot of stars that we are familiar with in here. So um, we'll talk about that all next week and see what I thought about that. Uh, WrestleQuest is coming out too, and it, uh, that was also delayed. So I never got a chance to review that and I probably won't on this platform. But I am throwing the baton over to Boris Roberto Aguilar, and we will talk about our thoughts on that game 
probably on his platform on um the rampage ramble podcast as well because i'll be back on there this week um as well as or or the it's canon podcast that he does as well so either or um got the, go over there and check out snmeradio.com you know uh on sunday night's main event if you're a wrestling fan what better way to talk about wrestling than from people from canada who's a legendary hotbed for the wrestling industry and the wrestling history if you will sunday night's main event been around forever they have been the law they've been rebranded sunday night's main event and you know they've covered wrestling for decades and they're continuing to do so with a brand new cast of young people that are continuing the legacy there so uh go ahead and check it out i'll be there and uh join up with boris for that and we'll talk about all that and much much more so folks if you like this episode and every episode of talk time live you can check us out on our official website at talktomlive.com all of our audio episodes and our video exclusive interviews with some of your favorite people in the world of our favorite fandoms i'm just going to name off a few here and let's go with our exclusive you go to the ttl exclusive videos page molly flanagan the voice of my um, of naruto my good friend uh eric and arnie roth who is who are the conductors of the final fantasy orchestra if you will my man kyle Abair, the voice of gohan from dragon ball super and for you from street fighter is on here my good friend danielle kennedy she has been in played in many 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 shows and tv shows and movies and if you last seen her as the vampire grandmother from uh day shift starring jamie fox and snoop dogg uh so we got to talk about that there and she was on ghost um ghostbusters afterlife as well um you know brian o'halloran you get to see that interview in full uh tribute games yannick bezel from uh, tribute games as we talked about teenage mutant ninja turtle shredders revenge when it first came out rebecca kennedy another actor who's played in many places before my man jeffrey thorne who is the writer producer and showrunner of black panther's quest uh animated tv series and power book two he was involved in as well also on strike as as the rest of them mega ran of course the, the voice of talk time live i talked to him many a times on air you can check it out uh boris i've also you know did a thing with him too but we got so many people of so many different entry and uh industries as well as well as you could check out my media page too because you know i got interviews here but i also did panels for read pop on there too which you can see them all there too um my panels with the cast of bleach johnny young bosch himself stephanie shea uh is on air the cast of sailor moon also involved those two christina v as well and many many more um the cast of that time i got reincarnated as a slime the cast of my hero academia which i did you can see a clip of that but i believe you could go to pop vision and possibly find the entire deal of that as well but that was a true honor the original cast of pokemon i have been blessed <laughs> with uh but you know since i've put together this award nominated show i've been blessed to it just goes to show the testament of how awesome talk time live is because all of these opportunities came about you know and um you'll just see much more in there my time you know my time when i was doing the live panel uh the talk time live live panel with the voice of uh overwatch as well and I mean, just so many great things you can see on there. I have a blog page on the website, which you can see a bunch of different content. I'm constantly trying to add as much content as possible in there, but being a one man show, it's not easy. So, um, just checking it out all there. You can check all that on talktomlive.com. but also if you are a subscriber and that likes to listen to the audio versions of, you know, shows, you could check a talk time live out wherever podcasts are played that is including spotify iHeartRadio, apple podcast google podcast stitcher pop bean tune in audible pocket cast we are now shown and in, in uh and played and streamed on other different new platforms as well uh that we just been added to but we are wherever podcasts are played you cannot find one place where you can't find us um and thank you to all new listeners and everybody who has supported this from day one really appreciate the uh the deal that you guys have been doing and uh we're gonna keep this always going for your fandom pleasure so and if you're searching for it it's acmg presents talk time live you can also find me at dexavier underscore josiah both on threads and instagram 
for our ACMG Facebook page is ACMG. I'm sorry. It's facebook.com forward slash ACMG forward slash groups forward slash ACMG two again, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ACMG two. You can join that too. If you answer all the questions, if you have a, uh, an account that's five years or older, go in and check it out. Join us, help us grow once again and uh see where we go from there that'll do it for me folks on behalf of myself this is dax xavier josiah saying learn to let go live life and love all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live i am out here take care and have a great week Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.